Right, we've got an ongoing two. We've opened it up now that at any stage, if we want to whinge over the next hour, we just give that a little two-second run and, and we could go again. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll continue on what I was saying in that that the, the narratives that they've got around partners and stories and off field and you know, I don't I don't I don't care mm. I, don't, I don't care I don't need to hear from anybody else other than the player or, or or to talk about the match in regards to cricket it's not it's turning into more entertainment and glitz and glamour of wags and all this and, and good luck to them and their families and all of that we don't need to hear from from them it's not part of the broadcast yeah, and players on commercials and things like that. Yeah. I mean, mine's in a cricket space. Tom mentioned um, last night on Layback with Betfair as well, and I think it's a very valid one that cricket continues to get in its own way as well. I mean, there are some archaic rules that, that logically should have been fixed a long, long time ago. I mean, this Sydney Test match, for example, as every Sydney Test match is, has been impacted by the weather. It, it happens every time there, and no one will ever be able to adequately explain to me how you go off for three hours for rain, you come on and play for 35 minutes and then take a 40-minute scheduled lunch break, which is not required because you've just spent all of that time off. Then you've got the other rules where if it's wet, you won't come back on. But if it's that same level of moisture in the air when you're playing, you won't go off. It's, it's a case of, well, you can't start in this, but it's not enough for you to stop in it. I'm like, well, can you play in it or not? And then the issue is, got all this time to make up. We're off for bad light at 4.30 in the afternoon. Why don't we turn the lights on? We're playing at the SCG. Are you ridiculous? And, and the counter-argument is, oh, well, it, it changes the conditions of the game. I'm like, so you mean to tell me that a test match played over five days won't have changed conditions? conditions? Where <laughs> you, come, you come out to bat in the morning and it's sun, sunny and 32 degrees, and then at 4 o'clock in the afternoon it's, it's overcast. Uh, then you've got, you know, it'll it'll you'll be batting in conditions that are favourable. The pitch changes all the time. The outfield changes all the time. Um, I think cricket does a lot of damage to itself by simply refusing to embrace logic. I mean, it's similar to the Melbourne Cup's 24 barrier, you know, no emergency thing. It's a rule that is logical to fix. But just no one wants to do it. So essentially, you're putting cricket in the lay bin. Dash. Just the, the cricket admini- <laughs> the cricket administrators. I mean, it it just seems bewildering. I mean, I think it's it's common sense for everybody watching it going, well, why don't you do that? It'll fix that problem. But just no one will, and it's 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 odd. Um, we, jeez, we got down the cricket rabbit hole there pretty quickly. <laughs> I, I'm going to come out full guns blazing here. Uh, Old Prince Harry, he's lost a plot. He can get in the bin again. <laughs> this this book that's accidentally been leaked, where he's come out and he said, "I got in a fist fight with my brother." Well, you and and um and three point five billion it? people right around the world. Um, uh, you know, it talks about um how many people he was he was um involved in fighting with while while in the Taliban or ISIS or whatever it was. Um, you know how how. Uh, how he's had arguments with the family, um, that he's gone and done things as a kid that he shouldn't have. I mean, this bloke has lost it. He's completely and utterly lost the plot. And it's very difficult, I think, for any member of, I know he's sort of ex-royal family, but technically still involved. It's hard to invoke much sympathy in, in those situations. I guess when you've lived your life with a, uh, a silver spoon in the mouth and all of that sort of stuff, you're thinking, well, what are the problems you're talking about are 
you know, pretty irrelevant by comparison to others. And obviously he and, and Megan did that documentary. Um, the other book. Did it now the book, but wasn't there things in the documentary where they invited people to come along and film them, and then complained that they were getting too close, and then well, they they in the documentary yeah. they showed photos and mm. said, "See, we're unable to escape the paparazzi." And then the person that took that photos came out and said, "I was requested to be there to take that photo by them." <laughs> I mean, this whole thing is is a stage PR exercise that. That, and they don't realise that because they do have the silver spoon in their mouth, that there is zero sympathy for any of them. And to make it even worse, is that they're whinging like they expect the public to feel sorry for them. Yeah, it's almost as if Harry's sat there and gone, oh, what am I, seventh in line for the throne? I'm never going to be king, so I can just do whatever I want. And sooner or later, it's you know rubbed a few people up the wrong way. And obviously... I know Megan being something of an outsider and that she's American and I think she's been married before and all of that sort of stuff. It's very different to Kate Middleton or even Diana, I think, when she started, although she rocked the boat as she uh, as she went along. But, yeah, it's uh, the royal family, I think, is already on the nose um, with Charles and all of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine there's going to be too many people sitting there going, oh, you know, poor old Harry. What our privacy release a doco, then a book telling everyone everything. And all you're doing, it, all it is, is you're doing it for money. You are then, nothing short of a greedy, the germs, germs. And he'll often come out and say, oh, you know, I still want a relationship with my brother. Then, then don't tell stories about belting the crap out of him then. Well, or, or him belting the crap out of you're, you. Or him if, belting the crap out of you. Like, I, if you I, want to build I, a relationship, build a relationship. I built the crap out of my brother and he built the crap out of me. That's your brothers. <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, we'd do that, we'd do that over the TV remote, let alone yeah. what are they worrying about? Whose polo pony they're taking out for the weekend? <laughs> like, give me a spell. Oh. Who gets the tickets to the, uh, to the yeah. opera that night? Yeah, or who's who's front row at Wimbledon? Who's got to sit two rows back? The... <laughs> Who gets to meet Federer first? Oh, yuck! It's just disgusting. Hey, um, what else? Have you got something else for the lay-in? Um, probably looking at the, the the situation around the um the the Big Bash. Overall, I think a lot of the bowling and a lot of the standard of, of bowling can absolutely get in the, the lay bin. I think the decision from some captains as to sort of who's bowling late and how they're planning that where, you know, it might be the Renegades where they've got the likes of Richardson and Hussain up their, up their sleeve, but it ends up being, you know, someone with less experience like Will Sutherland bowling the last over. I think um, part of what we've seen with the batting has been a deterioration in bowling and a deterioration in tactics. So... Yeah, it's it's good for the good for the viewer, but I'm not sure it's all that smart. Yeah, the execution's been poor by some of them, and even the captaincy execution has been poor. I'm gonna that the, the rule that you can jump up and throw the ball up in the air that yeah, Michael Meese's catch that can get in the lay bin. I mean, that's ridiculous. You could do that ten times. Um, that that's silly. It's been silly for some time. Imagine if you hit it out of the MCG onto Jollymont Road. And the guy just starts hopping his way back into the stadium uh, one at uh, a time. Uh, so. It's like a hacky sack. It's one of those ones where it's a correct umpiring decision, but it's a bad rule. Bad um, rule. Yeah. It, it just, I mean, you can't hit a ball eight metres over the rope and be out, I would think. No. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Nothing short of it. Uh, anything else catch your eye that you want to bin? Um... Interesting one in, in tennis. I think the, the – I know we're going to have a chat to Steve soon, but the Nick Kyrgios versus what, – what are your thoughts on this comment? I know some people will put it in the lay bin, but Nick Kyrgios saying, I've had a big year, I want to let my hair down on New Year's Eve. 
as his reason for not playing in the United Cup for Australia. Oh, I've it's never very been, Nick. No, well, th- this is the whole thing. Nick will come out, you know, Nick will come out this summer and he's got his PR agent, their publicists and all this and all that, and he'll be Mr. Nice Guy. He'll do something that'll be public looking and try to get everyone to fall in love with him again, and then he'll go back to being himself, which is all about himself, up himself. Uh, now, he's there's two arguments to it. He's box office, he's blockbuster, you want to go watch him, but that's because he's got a fuse as long as my um, small finger. <laughs> Love watching him play, just never been a fan. And the other thing that sums him up is I think he's playing in the French Open this year for the first time in five years, and the reason he's playing in the French Open is because his missus wants to go shopping in Paris. So there you go. Ridiculous.